Welcome to Bridge City Church. We are here to lead people in a deeper relationship with Jesus and to grow the church locally, nationally and internationally. We pray you are blessed by this message. John Wycliffe says the Bible is God's voice speaking to us just as truly as if we heard it audibly. So when we read it, he is speaking to us just as if he is standing in front of us and we can see him. I mean, he is. <laughs> but just as if we were hearing it audibly. The word of God is powerful. Isaiah 55 verse 11 says, So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. That's a promise. God's word is full of power and will accomplish his desires and purposes as we speak it forth. When we speak God's word out, we are tapping into a source of limitless power. Let's just think about the power of God for a moment. In Genesis chapter 1, as God was creating the heavens and the earth, it says the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. I love that if you just think of that image. So the whole earth is water. And the Spirit of God is hovering. It, it's an action. <laughs> it's not a, not a static. It, it, he's hovering, ready for God to speak the word. Then God said, in verse 9, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God spoke, and the land appeared. Psalm 33, verse 6, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Just think about the stars on a clear night. and Imagine gazing up and thinking about the enormity of the stars. We've all seen them at times. And just think about the planets that we can see and we can't see. There is so much out there. We know God created them by his word. That same creative power is in this book the same this is the word of god as we read his word and speak it forth the power of god is at work just as it was at creation i think sometimes there's we just don't quite get it i know i haven't in the past and god's really been speaking to me about it which is why i'm speaking to you about it um it is all the power of god is in his word we need to speak it and use it. Remember Lazarus, four days dead in the tomb. And at Jesus' command, Lazarus, come out. Up he got from death and walked out. If we could only believe the power that is in God's word, if we were to live our lives according to his word and begin to take hold of it, Applying it to our lives and in our prayers for other people, we would see miracles as an everyday occurrence. We would. We can test God in this. We can start to take his word, speak it, apply it, pray it, and just look around you and see what begins to happen. It sounds so simple, and it is, but there is an enemy of our souls that is doing everything in his power to stop us reading the word to stop us believing the word and to stop us applying the word. This is why we can find it so hard to make the time to sit and read the word. So don't think 
now she's making me feel like a really bad person because I've been there, I know. Um, and, but you have an active enemy trying to stop you from doing that because he knows the power that is in this book. So, yeah, he can make it hard to concentrate while we're reading. Um, he's doing everything in his power to stop us. He knows the power of the word of God. So we need to just be awake to his tactics and despite all these obstacles, press in and have a grit determination to take in the word and to apply it to our lives. As we speak God's word faithfully, all kinds of positive things begin to happen and all kinds of obstacles and opposition begin to be broken. Charles Spurgeon says the word of God is like a lion. You don't have to defend a lion. All you have to do is let the lion loose and it will defend itself. I think that's great. The word of God is food for our spirit. The word of God is spiritual food that imparts God's life to us. His word nourishes and strengthens our spirit for every stage of spiritual growth. So new Christians need the milk of the word as they learn the basic principles of walking with God, just like a baby needs milk when it's first born. But as we mature and take in more of the word, gaining more understanding, the word becomes meat for us. We see more in it. 1 Peter 2 verses 1 to 3 says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. And the way to move from just drinking milk to eating solid food is to begin to apply the word. So not just read it. Okay, how can I apply this to my life? Not, and we, as we act on it, we grow into a deeper relationship with God. Hebrews 5, 12 to 14. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So it's that constant use of um, reading the word. There's an interesting thing that begins to happen when we press in, when we discipline ourselves to begin reading and keep disciplining ourselves until it becomes practice. As we take the word in and begin meditating on it, we develop a thirst for more. And we develop that hunger to go deeper. We just have to begin. So I've shared this story before. So um, if you've heard it, yeah, please forgive me. <laughs> I hope you're not too bored. But um, when I decided some years ago that I wanted to make a regular habit of reading the Word, I knew my my habits in the morning were pretty poor. I was very sleepy. I couldn't, it took me a lot of waking up. I'd set my alarm. I'd press snooze a few times. Eventually, I'd drag myself out of bed, you know, get in the shower and get organized for work with a coffee and off I'd go. Um, so, I said to a friend who was, who was really into the word of God and getting up in the mornings, I said to her, I just, I really like what you're doing. I'd like to be able to do it, but it just doesn't work for me because I'm not a morning person. And believe me, I wasn't. And she said to me, you know, if you, if you get up for three mornings in a row, if you set your alarm and get up for three mornings in a row, 
You might struggle those first three mornings, but she said, I can promise you that if you do it for three mornings in a row, by the fourth morning, you'll be wide awake and you'll be really excited to take in the Word of God. Now, she wasn't a person that lied. So while I found it hard to believe that this would be possible for me, I thought, I've got nothing to lose. I'll give it a go. And so with her encouragement, I set my alarm for five o'clock in the morning and got up and I thought, I'm going to give myself the best chance. I'm going to get in the shower first because that'll wake me up and then I'll get a coffee and I'll be all ready to go. So I did that and I sat there with the word of God and started to read and fell asleep. And uh, I just thought, this is pathetic. And so I roused myself up. I got nothing out of it that morning that I knew of anyway. But I thought, okay, that's day one. Now, here we go, day two. And did the same thing. Same thing happened. I fell asleep while I was reading. And again on day three. And I thought, okay, well, this is the true test of whether what she said is true or not. Day four. And she was right. Um, I got up and just was wide awake. And I was asking God to help me be awake too, by the way. Um, I was wide awake and really keen to take in his word. And he spoke powerfully through it to me that day. And that was the beginning. And my times with him are so precious. You know, I wouldn't trade them for anything. Um, and, and if you're worried about the length of sleep that you might have, um, just know that God covers all of that you know if you're an eight hour a night sleeper and you're wanting to and you just haven't got you know time the other end to make it up then he you won't need eight hours anymore you'll you'll be fine on seven or whatever god god covers that he's really faithful so if if you're not a morning person and you haven't tried this and you'd like to let me encourage you it works it's really good the word of god gives us faith i don't know if any of you like me, but there have been many times during my life when I've questioned my faith to believe for something. For example, if I was praying for a family member who was sick, I would think to myself, well, I know Jesus healed. I believe the word. I know Jesus healed. I know he still heals today, but I don't know if I have the faith to believe that he's going to heal my mum. I'm really anxious and worried. I don't know if I've got the faith to believe that. That's where I was. But listen to what the Word of God says about this in Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That is a promise from God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So if you want to grow your faith, even read it out loud to yourself. Get someone else to read it. Hear it, read it, hear it, and that will actually grow your faith. It's a promise from God. Every promise of Scripture, this is from Charles Spurgeon again, every promise of Scripture is a writing of God which may be pleaded before him with this reasonable request, do as you have said. The Heavenly Father will not break his word to his own child. The Word of God gives us wisdom and guidance. God's Word sharpens our discernment. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The more we read God's Word, the more we will know His will and will more easily recognize when something is pleasing or displeasing to God. 
we will also be better positioned to know whether it is God or the enemy speaking to us as the word gives us this discernment. The word of God brings physical healing. Proverbs 4, 20 to 22 says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. So if anyone has sickness or um, yeah, something that's wrong with their body, um, they can apply these words, these promises from God, that as you read God's word, it is health to your body. Derek Prince tells a great story of how he applied these verses to his life for healing. So at one time in his life, he contracted a serious illness that kept him in hospital for many, many months. And he's a man of incredible faith, a man of the word. Um, and he's thinking, you know, I'm still sick. Why aren't I getting well? And then he read Proverbs 4, verse 22, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. And it's just like God spoke to him through that. And he made a decision to read the word after every meal. As he's taking in a meal that's health to his body, he was going to read the word after every meal, every day, and treat the word, as God said, as life and health to his body. And God healed him. It was over a period of time of him doing that. And this particular illness was one that had a, a very small, only a very small percentage of people survived. So, yeah, all glory to God. God is not a man that he should lie. We need to take him at his word. And remember, when we speak God's word, we are tapping into limitless power. So it's not about what's in us. It's about God and his word. 1 Peter 2, 24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. We can use God's word to speak to sickness and command it to be gone because by his stripes we are healed. We saw a beautiful example of this um, last week in Melbourne, last weekend um, when we were on a conference there. Um, there's a, a young woman who is part of the North Church, was Bridge City North, now Newman North, and she wore glasses um, and she had a, a turned eye. She wore glasses all of her life. And then during the, the, um, the prayer of, of that conference, she was completely healed. Her vision was completely and totally healed. And she went the rest of the conference without her glasses. <laughs> Amazing. That's just one we know about. There were many other healings because God wants to heal. His word is powerful. He wants to heal. Another wonderful promise is in John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. You will ask, that's if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Now, I've got a couple of little examples of this. That's amazing. Uh, I don't know if you don't know him, my husband Andrew here. He loves serving in the house of God. He loves it. It's his favorite place to be um, through the week, doing little jobs here and there, and he, he just loves to serve. And he, um, he had this old dilapidated car that um, he would have really liked to 
trade in for a ute and um, because he, he wanted a ute to cart the lawnmower down here and do different things, you know, for the hub and whatever. Um, and he, he didn't tell me this, but he had a desire in his heart that one day someone would come along and offer him money for his car and then he would be able to go and buy a ute. And that, that was a desire in his heart. Anyway, uh, he'd been down here mowing at church one day and took the mower, you know, back in his ute, just unloading it in the driveway. And a guy walks down the street. And we live in a cul-de-sac, so he walked inside the cul-de-sac and, and stopped as Andrew was unloading the mower. And he goes, do you want to sell your car? <laughs> and, uh, and Andrew's like, what? <laughs> and he said, no, I'll give you, you know, and offered him cash for his car. Uh, there and then. So Andrew, two days later, was able to um, yeah, receive the cash and then went out and bought a ute the same week, which he now has. And yeah, just as he gets about God's business, God got about his business and that's the desires of the heart. And, and one more little thing from the conference last weekend, my, my eldest son lives in Melbourne and um, I really wanted to see him. I don't get to see him heaps often. Uh, but the conference was fairly full and I just said to God, Lord, you know, the conference is first. You are first in this conference and um, if there's time, you know, I, I will see my son. But otherwise I'm, I'm keeping the main thing as the main thing. Um, and I didn't let Josh know that I was going to be in Melbourne uh, deliberately because I just thought, you know, I didn't want to not be able to follow through on a promise to see him. So... We were at the conference and time just didn't really allow for that. So um, came back home again and then um, two days later or three thereabouts, I get a text from my son saying, I'm coming to South Australia for work. Can I come and stay with you Friday night? <laughs> a week after I was sitting in the conference, the desire of my heart was to see my son and um, God, you know, as we, as we get about his business, he gets about ours. So, again, all glory to God. The Word of God gives us victory over sin and Satan. Jesus, when he lived on earth, was fully man and fully God. He lived his life in relationship with his Father God as an example for us to follow. He taught us through this example how to live a life pleasing to the Father and how to live by and apply his Word. Matthew 4, 1-11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, there's the devil now using the word of God, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Jesus believed, obeyed and proclaimed scripture. 
Three times Jesus said to Satan, it is written, and Satan's schemes were defeated. There is power in the word of God. Jesus modeled this to show us how to fight the enemy. We fight with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Satan can argue with us about anything else, but he cannot argue with God's word, for he knows it to be truth, and with it we overcome all the power of the enemy. Not some of it, but all of it. We overcome Satan when we testify personally to what the word of God says. The word of God sets us free. John 8, 31 to 32. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Free from addictions. Free from drugs. Free from alcohol. Free from sickness. Free from wrong mindsets. And the list goes on. Spiritual holiness. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We hide the word in our hearts by reading it and meditating on it. As we do this, it protects us from sinning against God. The word of God in our hearts is a powerful antidote to sin. Matthew 7, 24 says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon a rock. Psalm 119 is a beautiful psalm. In my Bible, it says, um, under Psalm 119, it says, Meditations on the excellencies of the Word of God. It's a really, it's the longest psalm. <laughs> it's the longest chapter of anything, isn't it, <laughs> in the Bible? Um, but it is really worth reading. It's all about the Word of God and the benefits and the excellencies of it when you have time. If we want to have personal experience of the Word of God operating in power, we have to apply it. The first step in doing this is to read the Word. And as we read, we need to have a desire to get to know God on a deeper level, to learn His ways and understand His purposes for us and the world. And the Holy Spirit is our teacher. So as we're doing this, he draws us to him, draws us to God. He brings us understanding and draws us closer to God. If we read the word and then just get on with our day without thinking about it and reflecting on it, it's like if you eat food and then just spit it out of your mouth again without letting it digest into your body. It has the same effect. So just think about that. Eat food. You chew it, you digest it, and it does its work in keeping your body healthy. Um, so the same with the Word of God. Read the Word and think about what you've read. You try and you know, make a point of drawing your mind back to it through the day. And then as you do that, that is, um, yeah, it's, it's digesting the Word. It'll draw you closer to God. As we read and reflect on the Word, we can ask ourselves some questions to help us digest it. You can ask, what does this passage teach me about God? What does it teach me about the church? What does it teach me about myself and my motives and my desires? Is there anything from this passage that I've read that God might be asking me to do? Or is there anything from this passage that I've read that he might be asking me to ask forgiveness for? 
So these are some good questions you can ask to help you actually digest that. It's like chewing <laughs> your food, chewing on the word. The Holy Spirit speaks to us, leading and guiding us into all truth as we read, meditate on and apply the word of God. I'm just going to tell you another quick little story. Um, back a few, quite a few years ago now, um, when I've, I've shared with you that there was a patch of my life where while I had faith in God due to some circumstances, I turned my back on God while having faith but not walking daily with him. It was a terrible time of my life. But in this, um, this is just the importance of the word again and, and what God saw as the importance of the word for me. I was driving to meet my daughter one day and I was actually driving down the hills um, and came getting near to where the toll gate is. But coming down that hill, it was rainy and I noticed a piece of paper flipping around on the road and I immediately felt angry thinking, like, who throws paper out of their car these days? It's so, you know, litter bugs, it's so unattractive. And I was having all these thoughts and the paper's just skidding along on the road as a, as a car would drive past. It would sort of, you know, dance in the wind. And then while I was feeling angry about this, all of a sudden it went splat and attached itself onto my um, little mirror on the side. So there it was in the mirror, not just sitting there, but going flat, 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 making a noise as well. So my anger level was going even higher. And I'm thinking, when I get to the lights, I'm going to get that window down and I'm going to get rid of that paper. And then I'm like, oh, but I can't throw it out. Otherwise, I'm the litter bug. I'll have to put it in my car and then get rid of it. So all these thoughts are going through my mind. I got to the lights and down went the window and grabbed the paper it was a page from the bible it was a page from psalms and um it was in incredible um and i'm my heart's just going like this um you know god in his mercy <laughs> and his love and his grace was trying to get my attention um you know, I hadn't been listening, and so he went to that length to actually send me his word. <laughs> amazing God, amazing God. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> no, I didn't bring it. I had that book. I've stuck it into one of my journals of that time and in the front page, and I fully intended actually to get it out from the cupboard and bring it with me this morning. Um, but, yeah. I didn't. I'm sorry. It's a, it's one of the old. It's an old. Um, it's a King James version. So yeah, praise God for the person that <laughs> let that guy, <laughs> um, and God used it powerfully. Most of us would love to have an encounter with God. We all want that God encounter, don't we? That was a God encounter for me, incredibly. The surest way to, to have an encounter with God, with the living God, is to read his word daily. That's what he's given us. And he meets with us in it. When you read the word, it is God talking to you. And when you pray, it's you talking to him. And yes, she, he, he also talks back to us and gives us impressions and words and things. But to be sure that he's talking to you, you read his word. When you read the word, if you're not sure how to pray, just begin by thanking God. Because sometimes it's hard to know, you know, I, I don't want to just pray my list of requests. So how do I pray? Just thank him. Wake up talking to him, thanking him that you have breath in your lungs and for this brand new day and for a warm bed and a good sleep and food to eat. And, and that's just where it can start. But you soon find yourself, you've got a lot to thank God for. 
Yeah, we've all got a lot to thank God for. Even in the hardest of times, we've got a lot to thank God for. And this daily, um, and also, sorry, can I encourage you, if you haven't already, to begin a daily practice of being with God. It's not seen by others, so, you know, we can't say to each other, oh, well done, I saw that you spent time with God. But God sees and that's, he's the most important one to see. You know, it's not about impressing each other. It's about being obedient and loving children. And he sees. And it blesses his heart because he loves his children and he wants to spend time with us individually, with each one of you. Yeah. So, yeah, just let me encourage you that what you do in the secret place is always seen by God. In this daily practice of being in the Word and in prayer, we're not led by emotions, but by the knowledge that God's Word is food for our souls and we know we need it. God wants us to read His Word because He wants us to know Him. We get to know Him through it. And the Bible is His love story to us. Just read it and look at the love. Even as you're you're reading through the Old Testament and you see the Israelites sinning against God again and again and again and God just loving them. And bringing them back. His heart is for them. His heart is for us. Have you ever had something wonderful happen to you that you would wanted to share with everyone, like a marriage proposal or um, the pending birth of a baby or a new job? Or, you know, there's a, a many, many amazing things that you would want to share with the world because you're on top of the world. What if you suddenly discovered a, a cancer cure? that could uh, cure all types of cancer, we would all want to share that with the world, wouldn't we? (laughs) Because it could save millions of lives. But we have something much more than that. We have the cure for sin and death, and his name is Jesus. John 1, 14 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus, why would we not want all of our friends and family to know him? Jesus and his word is the answer to all of our deepest needs. If anyone here has not begun a relationship with Jesus yet and would like to, or if anyone has walked away from Jesus and wants to come back, I invite you to pray this prayer with me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner and have done many things that don't please you. I'm sorry and I turn away from these things and ask you to forgive me. I believe that you died on the cross to save me and I choose to give my life to you from this day forward. Come into my life, Lord Jesus, and lead me and guide me to live a life that is pleasing to you. I look forward to spending all of eternity with you. Amen. For anyone who has prayed this prayer, please come and see us or contact us online so that we can help you with resources and uh, encourage you on this wonderful life-saving decision you have made. And now to finish today, let's pray. Father God, we thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We thank you that you have given us your word as a guidebook for our lives. 
and that it contains everything we need to live our best life in relationship with you, our loving God. We ask, Father, that you would help us to discipline ourselves, to make a daily practice of reading your word and spending time with you, receiving nourishment for our souls as we do this. We pray you would give us a greater love for you, Jesus, and for your word and a greater desire to be pleasing children and to do your will. Your word says, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. We want your blessings, Lord. Please forgive us for times of complacency and give us a hunger for your word. We thank you and praise you for this incredible gift to us. And we pray all of this in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining with us today. If you would like to find out more, you can get in touch with us on our website at bridgecitychurch.com.au. See you next time.